0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to bumping because it's really the way the time say the rip city
1: is jumping down. Come on,
0: everybody. All right, everybody, welcome to the 354th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage. Uh Returning from Medford after a very successful 30th annual Medford Multicultural Fair, Um, we did this tile project and people were just so excited about it. Like a lot of the ideas that we had that were new just were so approved by the city of Medford. So it made me very happy. And we found some new uh, MCs to host the fair that are really, really good and really, really like happy to be a part of the community so it was a very good year i worked a little too hard for it to be a good year but you know learned learned a little bit more definitely can put stage manager on my uh linkedin skill set now because i've been doing it for two years and no major problems with uh that part of uh the entertainment so very happy with it very happy it's done because Bro, I'm going to block a few of my co-workers from that. So they, they don't need to hear until, from me until like April. So it is what it is. But I'm very happy to be talking about this trade. It was kind of like I woke up after the fair. I was like, oh, God, we're going to have to do a podcast.
0: <laughs> well, while you were planning a fair, I got to play with dogs today. So, you
1: know, yeah, you texted me saying you play with a golden and that's a that's golden my
0: favorite. And uh, an Akita collie mix. Like basically looks like my cat Ernie, but in dog form. Super sweet. Like loving all over Ari, the, the uh golden, just wanted to play fetch, like just just get puppy dog eyes. Like, here's how much I love animals. We're at the dog park hanging out with our friend who has the dogs. And like the dogs like pee on the ball or around the ball because it looks like that's our ball. And I'm just like, screw it. Like whatever i'll just sanitize my hands are washed away but I, I just picked up the ball you, pick, you picked up a peed ball
1: holy shit
0: but the, you should see the way the eyes look at you like come on it, like i want to play ball like I, i'm a softy man so i'm like if this gonna make you happy it's gonna make me happy and, and what do you know it's dustin just dustin haas
1: germaphobe except for animals
0: yes and also having a kid really um desensitize you to gross Yeah. You just have to accept it. It's Mm -hmm. like almost like having a cat too. Like when you think about it, like they're in the litter box. Like if you're cool with like, if you think about it too much, it's like sausage. You don't want to know how the sausage is made. Just give it to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Give me a hot dog. I don't care how it's made. Just some. sometimes ignorance is bliss when it comes to dogs peeing on balls and toddlers uh, roaming around on hardwood floors. And that is the hard hitting breakdown and analysis that you come for At the holy backboard podcast. But for real. um, Are you thinking about getting a a doggy? No, 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 no. no. Maybe like 10 years from downline. Like Ari's got to be able to take that dog for walks. And we're not even close to to that.
1: I I was lucky. I had a, we rescued a golden retriever, which I love. And um, she had like a major thyroid issues. So she never wanted to walk. So it was like. Beyond easy to So you had a of. cat,
0: is what you are saying?
1: <laughs> a, a very cute golden cat. Uh, yeah, red you had you had a big cat. ass cat. Is what you <laughs> yeah. telling me? Yeah. So like, I got really, really lucky with my first dog. Rest in peace, Brandy. But yeah, I got really lucky because you know dogs are actually her responsibility. But since she had like thyroid issues, it was just like, all right, we're gonna we're just gonna hang out and watch Saints games and stuff. So it was very, very cool.
0: Yeah, I woke I woke up and. Um, it was my day to sleep in, which was awesome. And check my phone, nothing. Browse the forums, nothing. And then like my watch still thought I was sleeping. So I didn't get like, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't get a buzz on my watch for like, I have Woj on my um push notifications. But I looked down, there's like a couple red dots. And I was like, oh, there it is. And uh, obviously the trade that went down, Uh, The Blazers and Celtics made a move. Celtics get Drew Holiday, give up Uh, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first round pick via the Golden State Warriors. Minimal protections, just protected one through four. So if the pick is five through 30, it'll come Portland's way. And I think the, the star of the show, a 2029 unprotected first round pick from the Boston Celtics. So if you are counting at home, In its entirety, the Trailblazers sent out franchise great Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. They brought back DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams III. They got a 2029 unprotected first from the Milwaukee Bucks. They got a 2029 unprotected first from the Boston Celtics. They got unprotected swap rights in 2028 from the Milwaukee Bucks a 2030 unprotected swap rights from the Milwaukee Bucks, and a 2024 lightly protected one through four first-round pick via the Golden State Warriors. That is a lot. And also throughout the day, the Blazers announced they brought back Skylar Mays on a two-way contract. So the roster is finally starting to uh, take form. I don't believe there's an actual legitimate up-to-date depth chart at the moment but you would have to imagine some variation of a starting unit includes uh Scoot Henderson Amphrey Simons Shaden Sharp Jeremy Grant DeAndre Ayton off the bench all of a sudden you got a bench you have mm-hmm. Robert Williams you have Chris Murray of Jabari Walker you have Malcolm Brogdon sixth man of the year you have Matisse Thibel. uh so they are they are deep and they are going to be entertaining they are young and I, I think for the first time in quite a long time, you have a defensive minded bunch that um, mm-hmm. there's there's really, even though they're young and even though they, they don't have the chemistry yet, there really shouldn't be too many off nights where the defense looks as abysmal as it has in recent memory for the Trailblazers. Um, it was still undecided. I, I don't know if Malcolm Brogdon is a long term fit, but they did announce him. They being the Trailblazers announced uh both robert and malcolm on instagram and and twitter so that kind of made it official they didn't is that is that
1: when you were the team when you posted something on ig was that like this is this is happening type of
0: i mean you can yeah and you can tell how they've been doing it like they didn't they they said they acquired drew holiday but there was no welcome to portland drew holiday there was Mm -hmm. no welcome video with drew holiday alongside deandre and tumani like you can kind of like so when, when joe cronin starts talking about stuff like you don't really have to necessarily take that with with too much um gumption like it's not you know take it to the bank you have to watch the actions of what the organization is doing who are they promoting in those uh fan fest uh ticket packs who who are they putting out you know in on their social content like how are they announcing the the, the players and like you can see who gets a welcome graphic like even without the woge tweet after the initial trade where drew holiday came to portland you could you could easily um look at that and say oh drew Holiday is not coming to portland like there's no way like they are going to move him as soon as uh physically possible Mm -hmm. which is is what they did and it um took a while to announce robert and and malcolm so i assume joe probably kicked the tires on some trades but i would imagine that they keep Rogden through the uh trade deadline or up until the trade deadline and wait until the season plays out because you're probably going to get some contenders that would you know a three-point shooter like a season yeah. and a half of brogdon because he's got two years left on his deal and they probably want to see how he performs after injury now if you remember the celtics had initially sent out brogdon mm. free team trade with the clippers for chris Stapp's porzingis and that trade was approved accepted except rogdon failed a physical with the clippers the deal was nixed and that opened it up for marcus smart going to memphis which everyone was like oh my god you traded marcus smart <laughs> um and so now the boston celtics really get a player of similar game style uh grittiness heart heart and soul defense uh lock you up put you Culture kind of your type dude. and now the east uh I think I think it's really funny what Portland did. If if I'm being like honest, they
1: reloaded the Eastern Conference, bro. They
0: reloaded the Eastern Conference, and if you've ever watched The Office and you've seen them when they uh have uh the murder mystery episode at the end where it's like the three or four people like each pointing finger guns at each other, mm. like the Blazers created that situation for the Eastern Conference. You trade Damian Lillard to Milwaukee, making them the favorite. Uh, Miami, who was the, the the Eastern Conference champion, misses out on him. I and think then-
1: they're the biggest losers of all of this.
0: Absolutely. And then yeah. you go to Boston, who was number two in the East, and you say, oh, here's the the, the Damian Lillard uh, kryptonite right here in mm-hmm. Drew Holiday. So you just sold that to the Bucs. And so now you've got an absolute showdown. Hopefully we'll get to see that with the Bucs and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference finals, because that would be incredible basketball. Um, I think both teams are just absolutely stacked and along with Denver, those are the three favorites in my opinion, but then you've got the Miami heat who are just left out in the cold. You know that they make the finals, they let Max Strews go. They let Gabe Vincent go. I don't really know. I know this is a blazer podcast, but I do want to touch on the heat. Like I, I, I would be livid if I was a Miami heat fan. Mm -hmm. they, They completely let their hubris and their arrogance get in the way of doing business this off season. Like, I, who gives a who who cares about Jaime Hawkins or Nikola if, if you're the Miami Heat they're not going to help you contribute this year like if if you really believe you're one step away from the finals like I would be pissed off if you weren't willing to put oh, yeah. 2028 and 2030 first round picks who cares if you win the finals it doesn't matter just like what the Bucks did they gave up all that capital for Drew Holiday they won the title they won that trade like mm-hmm. you win the title, you win the trade. That's just how it works. doesn't mean New Orleans didn't do a good job with that, but Milwaukee achieved the ultimate goal. And now they decided to go, go at it again. And you're, you're, if you're Jimmy Butler and bam out of bio, you're probably like, what the hell just happened? I mean, Jimmy's maybe got one more, like, I don't even know if he's got what he's got Ooh. left in the tank. That was an incredible run that he had. And now you're Gabe Vincent was starting over Kyle Lowry. Now Kyle Lowry's the, the, the starting point <laughs> guard. Mm-hmm and you got Tyler here who's pissed off cuz he heard his name and name in rumors all summer long and Udonis Haslem who talk about heart and soul he he retired after over 20 years of service to the Miami Heat and i think the Miami Heat earned for an absolute rude awakening this this season
1: i i mean with, with if Dame went to Miami i was still going to bet the under on potential wins because Jimmy Butler is out a lot. If, if you like look at how often he plays, he really wasn't that big of a factor because he had like a nagging toe injury that kept him out for three weeks. Like Hero and Bam really got them to the playoffs. So, I I mean, I, I Hero has to be pissed because legitimately he was he was winning them games in that regular season. And then they he made just had to the finals in
0: his rookie year. He yeah. had
1: a big role in that. Yeah. He was just like, he just, he had a humongous responsibility, especially with Jimmy out. So it, it sucks. My first thought when I saw it at like eight or whenever it was, was active. I was like, Boston, Boston really did it there. Cause when Dame was there, I was thinking that they were the favorites for the chip. But I really love Boston and their their coaching staff. They got Charles Lee as a lead assistant. Their their staff is the most complete. And Adrian Griffin is kind of like a unknown
0: commodity. Terry Stotts though, what Stotts has won a chip. I I think Charles Lee with with Dallas though. Stotts has won a chip with Dallas, and he has familiarity with with Dame. I'm just
1: yeah, but Joe Mazzulla made some questionable
0: decisions.
1: I'm just. I think the staff of Boston is just better because Sam Cassell and Charles Lee as assistant coaches, pretty well, The biggest
0: man crush on Charles Oh, or... my
1: God. I, well, our Twitter was Charles Lee for GM, and I am not in charge of the Twitter at all. But, yes, I do have a humongous man crush on Charles Lee. So, like, I thought that with that coaching staff, they were the favorites pre-Dame trade. Now it's like Drew Holiday is kind of made to defend Damian yeah, Lillard. Derek
0: White's no slouch defensively either. Oh, they, they have a great team. And now, the the question for Chris both... Chris
1: Tapp's health is now a humongous issue.
0: Yeah, the question for both is uh, front court depth for Boston. Obviously, you have Horford and Porzingis. They've got nothing behind those two players. And then for Milwaukee, I think it's just overall depth. Like, Grayson Allen, love him or hate him. I, I think most would go towards the, the latter, especially from his Duke days. Played a massive role on oh, this yeah. team. Drew Holiday did a lot for, for that team defensively. Um, Brooke Lopez is a little bit older. I, I, Robin Lopez has lost a step uh, five years ago. Um, Middleton is in and out of the lineup recently. So He's
1: been so... Uh, like Availability is really important at this point in time. And having Chris Middleton just not play extended minutes until the playoffs really just shows the lack of depth yeah, I, 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 both of these teams are just unbelievably good, but they're obviously there's no team without warts. But man, I before I'm very we, excited for the Eastern Conference this year.
0: Before we dive dive into this, is there a team as a contender that you, if you're a fan of that team, you're like, why did we not like? You see the asking price: two firsts and two role players. If you're a, a team. Who who missed out on him the most besides Miami? I think Miami missed out both on Dame and Drew. Is there another team out there that just because there's one that pops into my mind, but I want you to go first.
1: Philly and BK. The Brooklyn Nets. I think Brooklyn's a contender. I think they're like the sixth lead. So I think they're a playoff contender. I don't think they're a contender contender, but. I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie is good enough to be a starting point guard on a playoff team. And then they like they had the they had the young players and assets for Dame especially with all those picks and then they absolutely had all the assets and picks for Drew Holiday and they kind of swing and missed so now it's sure, Spencer I'll, I'll
0: give you Philly I mean Joel Embiid sent out the most passive aggressive tweet um after Drew got traded to Boston he's like this offseason's been fun lmao
1: <laughs> um
0: so he's clearly i think the the next media uh, darling, in terms of who, when is he going to request out? Because you've got uh, Harden who who knows what's happening there. Tyrese Maxey is good, but like, I don't think he's a Dame Giannis combo. If you're like, MB doesn't have his 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 Robin. Who's gonna
1: get if, if James is not gonna do whatever he if he's just gonna sit out, who's gonna get Joel the ball? Tyrese Maxey's no point guard, he's a combo. Yeah,
0: they've, they went from having all of I mean they are the the classic, you know, be careful story. Like they had all the assets in the world. They had the they had the assets by the balls and then just let it go. Bro. And they just made the, the the wrong wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision. Here's my team. And I know it may have been uh doing a player a little bit dirty, but I think we've seen that across the league. The Golden State Warriors, if I'm a Warrior fan. Why are you not giving up Kaminga, Chris Paul, and in a first round pick for Drew holiday Drew and Steph in the backcourt with Draymond and Clay. I mean, Looney can play like that. If if you were really going all in with the Warriors, I that to me surprising they they didn't make and maybe they did make make a good offer and portland went, went the other way with it but well you got to think about
1: helping a western conference team too that has to be portland a benefit. doesn't
0: care about the portland's not trying to win so in in general yes i would say you are correct but right now i i think portland is completely an asset acquisition mode so what
1: did you think about us getting this stuff back for me like one of the biggest things is i don't think robert williams or deandre ayton can play a lick of power forward and then it makes me think, like, DeAndre Ayton's probably going to get 32, 34 minutes a game. So Robert Williams is going to be his direct backup with no, you know, no real, like, ceiling for minutes because of how how much DeAndre Ayton demands of minutes. And then you think about, you know, if some teams go small. Are you really going to go small with Robert Williams at the five? It, it just, for me, the fit doesn't really do it for me in terms of like Robert Williams because I I personally thought Rob Will was going to be the one traded and then I saw stuff about Broggy Pants but it ended up both of them would be on the team I just don't know if there's minutes available for Robert Williams with his current skill set and I just don't I just don't see the marriage between him and DeAndre Ayton being a good one because of how much minutes Ayton demands and I you can't put them both on the team in terms of spacing. I just don't think that works in 2023 basketball.
0: I think getting Robert Williams is like the ultimate like luxury, right? You, you're getting him back. I don't think you start him. Obviously, you don't play Williams. No, you, you ain't eight, starting. At the same time. The great thing is that Portland went from having maybe the worst center rotation in the league to now maybe one of the better ones. Yeah, we and definitely then, have the luxury of Rob Williams. He becomes... He becomes the backup, but I mean, you're, you're now protected from Aiden getting into foul trouble Aiden maybe having a hard time staying on the court with a certain team. Cause obviously Robert Williams is a much better defender and you're also, um, not having to play Robert Williams extended minutes. Like he has had injury, uh, mm-hmm. issues in the past. You don't want to load him up with a ton of run. I think getting him 20 minutes a night, letting him go all out. Um, I think that's perfect. And you're also not trying to give DeAndre too much right off the bat too. Like this is an 82 game season. Like you, you get road trips. I, I think it's just all about depth. Like the the fan base, if they can agree on one thing, it's that Portland had no size and length for the past, you know, three or four years. And mm-hmm. now you finally get um, Robert and DeAndre. I think another good aspect of this is, um, is if Robert starts to play really well and we know we know he's a trade asset for sure we know Aiton's part of the big three he is the trade asset you can move him and and you can feel good about it that you're going to get something from him so I think you can take him you can work with him and develop him back to where he was you know maybe a year ago before the injury bug hit and now all of a sudden that's a player that's you could sell high on it's kind
1: of like the John Collins to Utah thing he was traded for so little, and now Utah is going to be able to swing a trade for him and get a real asset back that can fit in their time, in in their uh, uh their time frame. Like, you know, Taylor Hendricks is the future of the power forward position. On that, it's not John Collins, but if you can increase his value to be a trade asset for the future for a team that's looking for a power forward or a center, I, I think it's good. But man, having forty eight minutes of just absolutely good center basketball is going to be a humongous change from hoping Drew Eubanks can, can play 25 minutes as a starter.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a a massive upgrade for just even viewing pleasure, right? Like that's just going to be better basketball to watch. I think what I envision Robert Williams is probably there was a a time when Montrezl Harrell got traded from Houston to the Clippers for for Chris mm-hmm. Paul in that package with Lou Williams, mm-hmm. the year before Montrez was suspected to get the max, like he was DPOI potential. He was just everywhere. He was an absolute menace. Like if you can get that out of Robert Williams in twenty minutes a night, like that's just going to be so fun like there's a, a boston personality that um i watched their youtube videos and i check their twitter from time to time very upset that robert williams is a part of this trade like i think he just gives a lot and the blazers are going to thrive in transition with the oh, assets yeah. that they have so uh having defense lead to offense will be so uh key for them uh, i was really hoping that they were going to move Brogden. Uh, immediately just because I think the backcourt's already crowded but if Portland does feel like the offers weren't there I'm totally on board with Joe Cronin waiting uh letting Brogdon back up Henderson like he is a veteran um I, I think we've been talking about having Scoot have a veteran like if Scoot's having a rough Boggy pants
1: could be a really good bet for him yeah
0: you can let Scoot okay you gotta go to the bench like watch the game from the sidelines and your team's just you're not no offense you're not having Scarborough Mays play play 30 minutes if if scoots having a rough night right you can just okay malcolm brogdon is going to play real big boy minutes and you're not going to lose by 50 points like you did uh against the warriors at the final game of the season um it's it's like i feel like scoots like the
1: 100th percentile athlete right yeah and then malcolm brogdon
0: (laughs) the 2020s andre miller
1: here's the athletic like (laughs) clears that athletic bar by like the smallest bit but the fact that he's so smart makes up for the fact that he's so unathletic as a point guard right now i actually don't think he's a point i think he's fully into combo guard you know corner sitter type of uh play style now but I I mean, having a vet like uh, broggy Pants is is a good thing, and there's definitely be, there'll definitely will be games where he gets like five for five for six from three and changes the game from a win to a from a loss to a win. He's gonna definitely help us a lot, and then he's the one dude who can rent a car that's that's a guard right now because our young boys definitely can use him as a uh, as a. uh, a mentor. And I think this actually, I know people are going to say this helps Scoot, but I also think this helps Anthony Simons a whole bunch, having a vet like Malcolm Brogdon, where he was never the star of the show, but he was a very good person that filled in what the, uh, the his whatever roster that he was on needed. So I think he's going to be really good for Ant because they both have amazing sharpshooting potential. So I think that Broggy Pants can help him out with a lot of the stuff that, you know, he's just missing. Anthony can do all of the stuff. He has all the athletic ability in the world, but now he's going to have a dude that's going to help him, you know, get to get his shot prep, get everything ready. So it not only helps Scoot Henderson, but it helps
0: Anthony Simons as well. This is Chauncey Billups, like, make or break year, right? It has to be. Like there's no expectations. We only need to see development. Like the you have you have this is. So I was thinking about this. Aside from Anthony Simons, every player is a Chauncey guy. Chauncey and Joe. The, the, there is no excuse now. Like you have the guys. You've clearly been working with Joe. Joe knows the type of system that you like. There there's there's just no excuse now, right? Like it's it's time. Like you you got, you got your two years. You can say. Tanking year one, Dame gets injuries hurt. year two, yeah, and and all this. Okay, like we, we we've discussed this. They they were bad in his first year, even with that that regular playoff quote unquote team mm-hmm. from the year prior, to the loss of Denver. But okay, we're in year three. You've got your guys. To me, this is a a put up or shut up year for for Chauncey Billups. I think because he's going into year three of year four. He has a team option for a year five. So I I need to see like. How he handles not only Scoot, how he handles Shaden Sharp, and how he handles DeAndre Ayton. Like those are the three that I need to see um continue to shine. Um, because that's go that that's our big three Mm. moving forward. Scoot, shaden, and deAndre. Like how how does this team look? How are they playing together? It's cliche but what are the vibes like does everyone seem like they're happy does everyone seem like they're they're uh, moving forward and and learning you know skills are they utilized correctly like he has the tools now like great coaches find a way to to get to players and DeAndre's got talent Uh, a great coach is going to get through to him and find the right the right tactics like the great coaches and I'm not saying Chauncey's a great coach but if we're talking about put up or shut up you kind of have to go to another level and say my one size fits all, you know, Mm. motivational approach has to go out the window. You have to tailor it to each individual player. Maybe DeAndre doesn't want to be yelled at, or maybe he needs to be yelled at. Like that's up for Chauncey to figure out. He has to learn the, and he has to coach. He has to coach. The players are there. They're excited. There is no expectations on this team. Sage, if you make the playoffs fun, awesome. That's, that's a success. If you get a top five pick, awesome. That's what we need. But like, how are the players looking? Because we've seen Scoot for two years in the G league. There's a baseline there. We saw Shaden and sharp over the final 10 games, get starters minutes. There is a baseline there. And we have seen the good and the bad from Deandre when he's locked in, there is a baseline there. So we need to see how Chauncey Billups can coach. And I, I do think there is a, a month or two grace period because every, damn near everyone's new on this roster, but there still should be competitive. Like, there needs to be competitive basketball. They better not be getting blown out. Like, if they win or lose, that doesn't really matter to me. This is a competitive roster. So one of the things that you... I feel
1: like Chauncey Phillips caters to those big three, who, whoever it may be. But those guys on the fringe, I feel like he doesn't really respect like you saw what he did like the the relationship between him and Yusuf has been bad so uh, of course i want to see him cater to those superstars but i don't want to see him throw away something that we that may be good like what if he treats robert williams like shit so he has to treat those other three pristinely But he also can't treat them like absolute garbage, like he did with Yusuf. He has to, he has to show that the team has camaraderie. So he can't just focus on those three. He has to focus on the team in general because everybody right now on this team has potential to be something. Obviously, those three have the most direct part or the direct route to superstardom. But anything really could happen with development. So I don't want to see somebody cast aside like we saw Yusuf. And I was thinking about it. You know who Brogdon absolutely helps the most? Matisse Thiebel. Because his Matisse's lack of shooting is going to be lessened because you have such a great catch and shoot threat. So the offense won't look as bad. And then we can use Matisse defensively because Malcolm Brogdon's going to be on the floor. There's going to be more shooters to spread the floor around for those. Guys that are specialist defenders like Matisse. So I think that Brogdon and his his abilities and his skill set really help a lot of people. But yeah, this is definitely time for for uh, Chauncey to put up or shut up. I mean, there, there's plenty of really good coaches that can inspire these players. So this is his last chance. And, and we've seen what he does with a roster that is kind of condensed but either by straight-up tanking or injury. He's not one of those guys like Nate McMillan that can inspire a, a team that is losing major components. So let's see what he can do with a team with full of young guys that have all the potential in the world. Can he craft them? Can he make that team cohesive? I would, if I was a betting man, I would say no because we haven't seen him do it with the team, that the roster that he has. But it's a chance. Is he, is, he a, is he a Nate McMillan, Monty Williams type of guy that can get the best out of him? Or is he like a guy that needs the best? He gets the best out of the best players. So it's it, it really is a put up or shut up time for Chauncey. And if he fails, I don't think he gets another chance because of how bad he has been in the last few years. It's, you know, it. It's I, I was going to say, if,
0: if he fails, there's going to be people knocking down the door to coach this roster. Like, oh yeah. I, I think it's it's stacked. It long term with the assets that the front office has accumulated. I think it now be went from like,
1: the I don't know,
0: with the Damien, like it was like a, a wishy washy job. Like maybe a, a first time coach will take it just to get their foot in the door. Um, but now it's like okay, this this new era has clearly arrived. It's going to be here for for quite some time. I think it becomes an attractive job. I remember when you and I were talking and it might've even been on a podcast where like the blazer
1: job, pre-scoot was like, it's almost as bad as Washington. Now it's one of the more attractive jobs because you have a scoot Henderson. You have, you have Shaden and sharp. You have all of these players that fit into roles very easily, easily and seamlessly. Now I bet we could get the Charles Lee assistant or the Will Weaver head coach, like we can get those prime guys if Chauncey fails, and I think Chauncey fails.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think it's the type of job that, like, maybe you could get like Jawan Howard away from Michigan if he's like, I'm done with dealing with collegiate BS. Like one of those high profile. Um, I think. It's, I think it's. I just. I, I think it's a high profile job. Um,
1: I I would love to see what. If, if for those that don't watch college basketball. Michigan, along with like UConn, is one of those teams that builds a scheme around the players, and it's really beautiful basketball. So, I mean, Michigan already plays a pro style offense like Jet Howard and uh, Kobe Bufkin were taking professional shots running off of like down screens and like they were really they were really coached. They didn't play to up to their potential, but it was always beautiful basketball. So I think, yeah, I think the Blazers could really get a lot of guys that they couldn't have gotten, you know, five months ago. Cause because it, it, it's so much there's so much more like good vibes and potential. And a lot of a lot of people would be really excited to coach Scoot Henderson.
0: Assuming this is the roster going into training camp and the preseason is this a playoff team, a pl- even a play in so top 10 seed in the West? I know we'll do our breakdowns, uh, closer to the start of the preseason, but, and I know we haven't done complete, like who's actually on which like, there's a lot of moves that, that were made this summer, but like, is this a top 10 seed in the Western conference for you? It, it is
1: not a playoff team, but I think that it absolutely could be a play in
0: team. Um, I mean, it all if you depends want to work on back, the if you want to work the... backwards teams that are that you definitively feel will be worse than portland i, I think san antonio is the, the one that i can think of just because they have no veterans they just have complete youth um houston was god awful last year yeah. but they did bring in some veterans but it's still houston right um and there the west is deep Mm-hmm. but the West is, is deep. I think, you know, nobody would have really thought that Dallas would have had just the, the, the dive year that they had that they, they go from the Western conference finals to, to the lottery. Um, they still haven't really solved many of their problems. So yes, I know you have the great Luka Doncic, but you also have Kyrie Irving. They're talking about starting Derek lively and uh, Omax in the preseason. And if you're starting two rookies, like what does that say about the depth that you have? Um, so I, I, if, if if the Blaze, so the, it's predicated on two ifs. If the Blazers keep this roster and they actually go for it and they don't start quote unquote resting players, I think it's a top 10 team in the West. I think they're better than Utah. I
1: mean, there, there's a lot of contingencies, but yeah, I, I could absolutely see them being a top team. Like 10, 10, 10
0: 11, 10. like 9, yeah. 10, 11. Yeah. I think they're going to be in that. That realm. what do you no. think the
1: Vegas will put as a like a over ooh, under for ooh, wins? That's a really
0: good number, 32 and a half. I'd probably take, I'd probably go the over, depends. I think that's right, like where it's like, ooh, I, I don't know. Um, just so everybody
1: knows, DraftKings' first book is really good on those lines. So, you know, bet if you're going to indulge in betting, do it that responsibly. with your head,
0: not with your heart.
1: Oh, god, yeah, yeah, but responsible betting, people.
0: But... I think Utah is a cautionary tale from last year. Danny Ainge, I think, did a phenomenal job. What he got for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. The problem was Lowry marketing turned out to be really good. The Mm. team turned out to be really good to start the year, and they were outkicking their coverage, so to speak. They were overperforming. And when you overperform, it gets fan interest up. Those those readings start getting packed, and you're selling tickets. And... It may not be easy to to pull the plug as as early as Ainge probably wanted to. So they did. They made a trade at the, the deadline, but they still were competitive. And I, I'm sure Danny Ainge wishes he was in the top three of that draft rather than than settling for Taylor Hendricks at nine. We both like Taylor Hendricks, but
1: is case in mean, the other was case in the other first round pick.
0: No, they got Keontae George. OK, case mm-hmm. Wallace went to Oklahoma City. Because I'm
1: trying to think who who's going to handle the ball since it... who's their no who's their point guard,
0: Colin Sexton. I don't think I, I don't think he. But Utah point. and why I say this is a cautionary tale is a team that is too far in their rebuild. They needed to be a step or two back so you can accumulate those high draft picks. Yeah, they have a war chest of of assets, so that it is a better chance they could move up if they needed to. But they go out and they add a John Collins. Like I don't think John Collins is a difference maker. So what I'm saying is from Portland, you, you've you've got your big three. You can maybe throw Anthony as a as a mini four. I think the, the hopefully Jeremy Grant's in there. <laughs> the organization is is part of that, but you do have Jeremy Grant, you do have Malcolm Brogdon, you do have Matisse Thibel, You have some veterans who. I don't think you you need long term I mean you look at at both Malcolm and Jeremy age wise I don't think they match up with the timeline of definitely not of the core if the Blazers were ready to win now I think Malcolm Brogdon is probably the best backup point guard that you could imagine um you know Jeremy just signed a massive five-year deal And I think he's going to be a valuable commodity. Again, I think this is going to come down to the deadline. Is there going to be a contender that's willing to throw if he's playing as he did at the early part of the season, we were talking like Jeremy Grant's worth two first round picks. Mm -hmm. And so the Blazers need to see, okay, like we don't want to, it's such a tricky situation when you rebuild. And that's why a lot of teams keep younger players around Um, Oklahoma cities, I think managed to do it really well. Um, But you look at teams like the Suns in 2014 when they had like Goran Dragic and the Morris Twins and And Eric Bledsoe and and they were supposed to be dog shit and they ended up almost making the playoffs. You could argue that as great as those memories were when the Blazers made the playoffs in 2016 when Vegas had the the Mm -hmm. over under at 23 and a half, that led to a chain of reactions where Neil O'Shea felt like he had to match on all of those salaries and that set Portland back. So if you're the Blazers, you really have to evaluate with your your head, not with your heart, not with the ticket sales, not with the excitement around the team. So if you're playing well, you have to you have to really be honest and say, is this fool's gold? Which Utah completely was, mm-hmm. or do we really think we could go and win a playoff series? Like the Blazers need to think like that. Like if you're in the playoffs, can can you win? Not just can you make it competitive, because that that's what really makes it worth it. Is know, winning and then be competitive in the series following, and then knowing that you have the assets lined up to build upon that because sustainably, great, yeah, sustainably. Like as great as I like this roster long term, there's still glaring holes at the forwards. You have really no small forward right now. I think Shade needs to be eventually moved to the two, and Jeremy is a good power forward, but he's also 29, going on 30, and everyone in the core is between 19 and 25. So they're, and they're, I also worry
1: about rebounding
0: too. Yeah, you need you need, I think you just need an upgrade at, at the four. And the one thing that, that Joe Cronin was not able to accomplish with these trades was get back an elite blue chip prospect. That was the one thing that just wasn't on the table, um, wasn't able to 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 pull off was that young prospect coming back. Even like Utah got OGN and or not, OG, they got Ochai Baji. In the Donovan Mitchell trade, they got Walker Kessler in the Rudy Gobert trade. Like those players, rookie scale contracts, you can develop them. They're more valuable, I think, than future first round picks because they're on that that rookie scale, and you can see them. Like they're playing tomorrow. I mean, Walker Kessler was on that that FIBA. Like Walker Kessler could be DPOI next year, man. Like people that are smart
1: look past walker kessler's glaring weaknesses and saw that he he made a humongous impact i think his
0: defensive numbers were rudy gobert like and you're paying him like $2 rudy gobert $2. And, you got, and you got everything else on top of what they got in terms of, of draft capital so it's going to be a fun season it will be interesting to see how the blazers come out how they perform if they perform above expectations do they do they sell high? I, and I think that's what will be the mark. So Joe Cronin, I think you could say he passed that first test, like dealing with all of the drama um, that came with trading of the franchise. Great. Right. Like, I think he did a, a solid job with that. But can he now navigate the waters where if you're overperforming, can you kind of can you pull this- that riptide? Yeah, can you say okay, Jeremy Grant can fetch me two first? You need to do it because we're we're good, but we're not we're not championship level contending. Like you want to get to the title, you want to get to the top. Like yeah, do you have the the intelligence to say I need to cash in on this Malcolm Brogdon ship or mm-hmm. Matisse Bible? Like right? Yeah. Like,
1: can I can I be real? I think that trading Damian Lillard, I know Miami was offering some bullshit, but getting a lot of assets for Damian is the easy part. Building a contender that's sustainable is going to be the hard part. You got what you you got these assets, build something with it. Like I know he he's the guy that traded Damian Lillard, but he got assets. And now he has to do something with said assets. So I th- I think now is the time where Cronin really earns that that the job of GM cuz you're going to get a good offer from for Damian Lillard. He's a top 75 player, but now it's ro- time to really prove that he's him and he can make these tough decisions. So if Malcolm Brogdon is shooting 40% from three and like the, the Sixers or a playoff contender could use some.
0: What shooting,
1: pull that rip cord, get a first round pick. Like this is really time for Cronin to earn everything that he's,
0: He's got like this This season. The season's defining metric should be fun. Did you have fun watching the game? I don't care if you win or lose this year. No, this this is just fun.
1: No, I mean. How many games has Scoot and Shaden played in a competitive setting? A half. So it's really like it's time to see what those, those two plus DeAndre Aiden can do. So, I mean, there really isn't that much pressure on them. Just perform. And if they do that, you know, uh, uh, Chauncey might be safe. But you know, it, it really is the fun factor, the vibe factor, and I just want to see what how he treats all thirteen people, all thirteen players on that active roster.
0: And if you make the playoffs and it's led by Scoot, Shaden, and Da, I, I think you take it um, as long as you don't like overcompensate. Say we have to make all these win now trades. As long as you let the the rebuild happen organically. I, I think that's the big thing for me because playoff experience is is valuable. And if you're winning because of your young players, rather than well, let's see, Jeremy Grant's, you know, averaging thirty five a night, like that's one sustainable and, and one's not. So uh, I think mm-hmm. as long as the Blazers um, are are aware of that. But did you have you seen the video uh, of DeAndre and and Tumani? He, yeah, he. I mean, dudes, Da, my man was hyped to get out of phoenix i mean jesus it was
1: a toxic work environment for him it legitimately was like somebody Monty I Williams did his best on... to make that shit as awful as possible and it really killed all of his so uh, i'm really happy to see how
0: happy yes. he, somebody he i follow was. who covers the phoenix suns was basically just like the relationship grew toxic when in 2021 after da plays a massive role in getting them to the finals even if you didn't believe that he was worth the max like not giving him the max, like just he's like, Oh, I'm not, I don't feel want, I, he just didn't feel wanted or valued. He's like, I had to go out. Indiana clearly valued me, so they signed me to a max, and then now you have to match it. So, I mean, put yourself in, in a similar situation in, in a work environment. And do you and think they- there's a chance
1: he goes that Chelsea has not had the best track record with Biggs? I hope that he can really take the time to learn how DA. Actually needs to be taught and talked to because he surely did not show that shit with Yusuf. I mean, this it, it's got to be. There has to be so much pressure on Chauncey Billups right now because of how this team was built, how efficient it looks out, like repeatable successes, and the fact that we have all of these assets. Chauncey has to fucking not leave Liver. after every game, 30 minutes after the, the end of the game. He has to actually help develop these players.
0: And I, I think there will be pressure from the front office. Like, okay, we were essentially willing to draft Scoot Henderson if it meant trading Damian Lillard. Like there's no there's no playing Scoot Henderson eight minutes a night like they pulled with with Shaden a few games last year when it was clear they weren't a playoff team. And everybody else was playing like garbage. And it was it was a game against New Orleans. I distinctly remember it. Like I was taking, I I decided to nap through that game because I I was like, you're not playing Shaden. Like I'm taking Mm. my nap. Like I was a new father, and I was like, this isn't worth my time. There's no doing that. Like, Mm. not with all of the marketing materials they're putting out there. Like, there's they are selling Shaden and Scoot and Anthony and DeAndre. You don't you are playing those players like so it's on it's on him to to, fi- to figure it out I think that's the the biggest question Mark going with Malcolm all-
1: Brogdon is there going to be a is there going to be a
0: a section of
1: Anthony's playing time where he's the point guard now that we have scoot and and Brogdon playing all 48 minutes of point guard are we going to see the experiment of Anthony Simons playing the one or is he strictly a two guard? Hmm. I'm sure he plays
0: spot minutes at the one, but. Spot minutes, but I I think, I mean, God, this is, we're going into like what year five with Anthony, maybe year six, year five or year six. I think it's time to figure out who he is. And I, what does he do best? He scores the basketball, but he also played really well when Damian was out, but. He also had
1: use of Nurkic to just help him make all the decisions. But
0: while damien is gone scoot now assumes damien's role when it comes to ball handling and Mm -hmm. when it comes to orchestrating an offense so it's not just like he's going to put up the same numbers he did when damien was out because when damien was out last year it was what josh hart who refused to shoot the basketball Mm -hmm. or even a skylar mays type of point guard that you brought in on a 10-day contract where you know you're getting all of the usage no you still have shaden who's going to get shots and that you still have now brogdon's coming in you've got so he's not just going to get a chance like when we were tanking where it's like okay anthony you're the only marketable player we have like just just try and score 40 and keep it close I, i think it's going to be more like okay how can we get you some clay thompson type of looks where you don't have to have the ball in your hands how can we you know he's like a lethal uh catch and shoot shooter I'm sure he can handle the ball in the break, but I, I don't think they're going to really be running many sets for him. If I'm being, or not sets for him, him initiating sets for others.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, he's a very good pull-up shooter as well. So you don't want to take that out of his, out of his role completely, but I just don't want him to, he needs to play like Zach Lafine. Zach Lafine doesn't think about passing the ball. He thinks about getting his. So if we can get Ant a lot of open shots because you're playing with Scoot Henderson and Malcolm Brogdon, and then when you have the ball, you're just thinking of your himself, not even thinking about the pass because he's trying to get, get buckets. I think that would be the best role for him. I'm, I'm, Taren and I had a, a podcast where we talked about if you can pass shoot or a uh, dribble pass shoot the triple threat. I think. Anthony Simons is Colin Sexton level bad at passing. So if you can take that decision point out of his his hands in general, I think that's going to be good because I just don't think Anthony sees the the peripherals passing lanes. I think if he saw it, he'd pass. I just don't think he sees it in general. So everything,
0: everything you're saying is why I think he needs to be the sixth man. I I would not start him. The thing that worries me the most about this team, more than Chauncey Billups being the coach, is if you roll out a starting lineup of, of Henderson, Simons, Sharp, Grant, and Aiton, everyone wants the ball. Everyone wants to score. That's everyone, what everyone needs the look, ball. That's what everyone's looking to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to get some defensive rebounding from Aiton. You're not going to get anything else from Jeremy. You're not going to get anything else from from Anthony. Shaden's a good rebounder, so you got two rebounders and Scoot.
1: I think Scoot's a good rebounder.
0: Yeah, so Scoot's the only decision maker on that court. Mm-hmm. Like, you... You need somebody who's just going to be willing to say, hey, I'll chill in the corner. I'll play defense. Like Matisse probably would be my starting three. Shaden would be my starting two. Like that that to me is going to be Portland's, I think, Achilles heel next season um, if they try to trot out that starting lineup because you you just don't have enough role players who don't need to score Mm -hmm. or who don't want, like who just... Can can we just get like a, a Nick Batum? What's funny is Josh Hart would actually be his t- prototype would actually be kind of fun on this team. Like, oh, yeah. I, shoot the ball. I'll play defense and I'll rebound.
1: Chris Murray. I, I mean, of course, Murray was a third year vet. I think he would be a pretty damn good small forward for this. This team It's just I'm, I, I honestly think he plays like a third year vet.
0: You know, like day one need, when he comes need, in, we need a Jairus Walker type of the four. Oh, that, don't you dare what, tease me with the that's Walker. That's just type. what it's going to be. Like, and I think for this team to take the step, if you believe that Scoot, Shaden, and D.A. are your big three, what are the prototypical fours? You want Jarris Walker's the guy. Like, he's the guy that I, if I'm, if I'm Joe Cronin, I've got my eyes on. You got your as athletes, Well, you got your assets piled up, and like, if I could take two players from last year's draft class. I give me a Sar Thompson and Jarris Walker, the three and the four. Oh, God damn. That'd be crazy. Defense, I, mean, yeah, I mean, playmaking I mean, if we have
1: scoot, I think those, I think those two would be probably my, my guys as well, but like Jarris Walker mixed with Deandre Aiton and Rob Williams as our, that'd be pretty amazing. I, I really think that Chris Murray's going to shine now. Like, I think he's going to find a way to carve out, 18 solid minutes and be a plus every time he's on the court. You
0: don't think, do you, do you think, uh, so we've seen both in summer league. I think it's going to come down to to Jabari Walker and Chris Murray for minutes. I don't think there's time for both.
1: Especially with Rob Will Williams. Yeah. I love Jabari Walker. I think Chris Murray is more valuable with this current roster like, I, I think Chris Murray is, uh, would be my guy for that, that fourth big role. I think he's more versatile as well. You can't put Jabari with his hitch in his movement anywhere near the perimeter. I think Chris Murray, because he's just so fundamentally sound, like you see his movement and his footwork, and you're like, oh, this was like, he is so fundamentally sound with all of the footwork. I think that that, along with his ability to just fling that three thing from three and making it at a good clip, I think he's he 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 would be uh, starting over Jabari
0: for me. Yeah, well, I think that's the position battle that I'm going to be watching the most. Uh, with Nasir moved, uh, there's really I think you've got Matisse is really the only small forward that the team has. So it would be nice if they do move Brogdon maybe at least get a stopgap at at the three with, with, with a future pick. Um, Anything else that you want to touch on? Um, I'm kind of staying away from all of the, the Damien, Chris Haynes, Joe Cronin, which side you're on. I just, I think I've been
1: driving for, I've been, I've been so busy with the fair and driving and all that stuff. So I have no idea what any of that drama.
0: I'll just basically give like a 32nd overview when the trade went down, everyone was happy. Portland got the assets they wanted. Joe Cronin sent him to the best possible destination that he could have. in Milwaukee, immediately after the trade was official, Dame wrote this beautiful farewell letter to the fans in the city of Portland. Um, then Chris Haynes, drop, uh, literally within minutes, drops this inside look at the nasty divorce between the Blazers and Damian Lillard. You know, it just says like that Dame wanted to come back in his words it made it seem like dame wanted to come back to portland if a trade with miami didn't go through however if you looked at other reporting i believe uh sham sharnia had it in the athletic that said it wasn't that it was dame was willing to come into training camp and be a professional with the blazers until a trade got worked out with the miami heat so it wasn't just like dame wanted to come back um and that joe cronin said no you already requested out i'm going to find you uh, a spot and then there was reports that Dame was in the practice facility for eight days and Joe Crony didn't speak to him at all. And I'm just like, this is some petty bullshit for. Well, one, like if you're just so pissed off with Dame's agent and you're just like, maybe it's it was an emotional decision for Joe. And so if he could remove that emotion, like I'm not going to get attached to you as much anymore, Dame, like I got to I, I think both. You sides, can't
1: let emotion. You can't yeah. let emotions be
0: part of it when you're trying to make this tactical of a decision here's the thing when you have a franchise player who doesn't win a championship and moves on it always ends up messy that that's just how it Mm -hmm. is it just ends up messy when you don't have that championship to fall back on and and both sides played a role in that i thought that the from i didn't read the entire article i saw enough from all of this the uh screenshots on on twitter where it's just like, it felt petty and juvenile. We know that Chris Haynes is Dame in his camp's mouthpiece. Like, everyone was happy. Like, Dame, you get the situation. Portland gets to start over. The 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 farewell post should have been it. But it's just like, okay, we're going to, you know. Flicks though, bro. Have this petty, yeah. We're gonna have these clicks on the way out. Like it just, it wasn't necessary, and then of course it divided the fan base again. And now it's like everyone's like, "Oh, we got a great trade for for Drew Holiday," and everyone's excited. It was just more like people are just too easily. Like I tweeted this. I was like, "Y'all are taking this bait, hook, line, and sinker from from this article." Like, you
1: know what that art? I mean, I didn't shit. I didn't know it existed. So,
0: but you know just, what that article I, I was like down was to do. You know petty. what it was trying to do. Yeah, and juvenile and uh and un- unnecessary. Well, you I'll know what? That. Like,
1: it's with journalism. Like, just look what ESPN did with firing all of these NFL and NBA guys to hire Pat McAfee. This is where journalism was going with you know clickbait and they you know Sharp it's too. just an example of it.
0: What's that? They got Shannon Sharp too, so now he can yell at Stephen A. on these. It just, yeah, it's 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 dumb. And it's pointless. Um, I will say I'm happy for Dame. I'm excited to see how he plays in Milwaukee. I'm even more excited how he plays in Milwaukee with Drew Holiday on, on the Celtics. I think that could be an all-time classic Eastern Conference Finals. The that two teams, better go
1: seven rounds for the culture.
0: The two teams have already had uh, memorable playoff mm-hmm. finishes uh, in recent history. Uh, you have Grant Williams hitting that millions of threes in that Game 7, that, that Celtics victory a couple years ago. Um, I will say I'm glad the trade has been made. I'm glad I don't have to, you know, log on and see what podcast interview Dame gave, what cryptic tweets, or you know, saying what players he wants to play with. And then, like, when your star player is in that media cycle, it, you just it's, no matter how many awful keywords, fans. no matter how many keywords that you mute or try and stay away from it, it's just like I don't give a shit. I want to talk about basketball. Um, like the draft was maybe like leading up to the draft was one of the most miserable times as a fan because it was all all like, I don't want to play with any more 19 year olds. And what are the blazers? Are they going to trade the pick for just a player? That's not going to get them over the hump at all. Like thankfully Joe and, and Mike and the rest of the crew did, did the right thing, but it was miserable for me as someone who wanted to, to start over. I do thank Dame for everything he gave to the city, to the organization. Um, from all accounts, from multiple people, one of the best, if not the best, uh, to work with every request. He was there complete professional. And I'm really happy for him. Like, even if he wanted to come back, I'm really glad that Joe said, no, I think it's one of those where it's like, I'm doing this on your behalf. Like you don't mm-hmm. know any better, right? Dame. Like I know it's almost like leaving for college. Like he's just like, Oh shit. I've been at home for these 18 years. I don't.
1: I don't mm-hmm. know what else is
0: out there. And you just kind of like don't want it. You want to go back to your your safe and secure uh, house. But it was time for Dame to kind of get his LeBron Miami heat on. Like go have your four years in college. And if you want to come back, we'll welcome you back with open arms. Just like we cats. don't want it.
1: To, we don't want the relationship with Dame to be contentious like it was with Kevin Garnett in Minnesota
0: or with Bill Walton. It took like 20 years, for yeah. Bill, 20 plus years for Bill Walton to be cool. with Portland like it was it was some nasty shit with Bill in portland like it doesn't need to be like that like dame was uh, more than he built
1: stable. roots in portland how many superstars build roots in a city and we had two in cj and dame yeah cj so still I'm got glad that we win- did right winery by them.
0: here cj still got his winery here like I, I you know it seems like dame a lot of his family still going to stay in town like you know he's got a mansion built in in the so he has
1: a brick and mortar business still right the uh, the car the, yeah the uh,
0: dealership yep yep yeah, so like I'm I'm happy for for Dame. Um you know, let's I was I was honestly a little peeved at that article that, that Haynes put out, but like, you know, time's passed a bit and it's more just like, okay. You're going to get your chance now. Like it sucks it wasn't with Portland, but you're going to get your chance. This is the best player you've ever played with, best team you've ever played. If you get reunited with Terry, which is awesome. I you know, I really like Terry. And I I hope he has success and I hope he enjoys it. And I do hope that he comes back for a year in Portland like to okay. wrap it up because I think that would put put a bow on everything. It would be even better if we're competing and he can you know help us out in 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 any way, but um it just feels like a relief. Like we're mm. not talking about this I felt like we've been ahead of the curve talking about this for two years. And a lot of things that we said, like, neither wants to be the bad guy. Neither wants to kind of make the first move in this kind of all came to fruition.
1: We Uh, pulled the bandaid off and it's time to, it's, it's it's time to be
0: excited. Like it's time to be excited about the the new era. We're going to be a fun team. We have a great core. I think we have one of the the best young cores. We've actually got a war chest of assets for the first time. We're a leak
1: pass team now.
0: Yeah, for the first time ever, we have a war chest of assets. If a perfect small forward comes on the market, you can get him. If there's someone in the draft you like, you can move up ten or fifteen spots. Like you now have the ability to be what the Thunder kept doing and doing and doing. Like the Thunder were the blueprint, and um, I'm just I'm so excited. Like I'm, you know, we're going to Fan Fest on on Sunday. Sunday. It's been years since i've been to a fan fest um media days tomorrow we're recording sunday night i'm going to tune in i'm going to watch all those interviews like i i'm excited there's it's just like new life has been pumped into grip city like it's it's it was time it's done uh i'm ready to see how this young team progresses i've already told you this gives me like rise with us vibes from the b-roy lamarcus martel days and it's a young group and yeah. I'm really excited. Um, so I think with, with that said, Sage, let our listeners know where they can find us and let's send us one on home.
1: We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, everywhere where you get your podcasts, we're there. Um, we're available on IG and uh, TikTok for you know the clips from this long form content. So uh, thank you all for listening i think this one is going to be a long one but i think everything that needed to be said was said so uh, we'll be back pretty soon to uh talk about this season that's coming up pretty damn quick so uh thank you yeah, all for stay, listening We're Stay out, tuned.
0: Man. stay tuned our next episode will be our uh it'll be a big one western conference eastern conference predictions uh one of my favorite episodes to, to record um that that's that's the next one. So stay st- stay tuned for that one.
1: Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shineley. Good night, everybody. Let's go.